You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hockey. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. And indeed it is Judd's Hockey Show. Judd, Declan, and of course, Jesse Pierce, far down. Beauties, fame, NHL.com does a great job covering the Wild. Uh, basically one week into the season, the Wild is 2-1. and one. And I want to start here, you guys. All right, so an impressive win opening night against the Panthers in which uh, Gustafson is just brilliant, outstanding. Then Saturday, they rallied in Toronto, but then ended up basically having their uh, drawers blown off in that one. And then they come back against a bad Montreal team and look dominant. So, three games into the season, now minus Spurgeon, minus Boldy, and Goligoski. Eh, okay. Uh, Jesse Pierce, what are what is your opinion of this team so far, what have you liked that, that you've seen in the first three games? Conversely, what have you not liked? I can go down the line of the good, bad, the ugly. The good goaltending, which, not to rub it in your guys' face, I told you the goaltending was going to be there this year. You're going to rub it in our face. That's okay. Uh, I, just a smidge. I like no, being you, right. We deserve it. You we know, but even the Toronto game, I can't really hang that out on Gus. I mean, that we'll get to that part of what the problem with Toronto game was. The bad or I don't want to say bad offense hasn't really been there right I mean yes they forged a comeback but even you look at the win in Montreal the five on five goals weren't there that was all special teams two shorthanded three power plays so the offense I need to see a little bit of an upkick especially with the schedule as it looks ahead you've got LA which is offensively dominant you got Edmonton another strong offensive team so I need the offense to pick it up the ugly is the defense yes Alex Goligoski's hurt but I'm fine with that because his plays were absolutely horrendous in Toronto defense, just in general, terrible, terrible. Actually, it's funny. I had a dream. I told Dean Evison this and he <laughs> called me stupid for doing it and said that I've really hurt Alex Galagoski. So sure, if that was that's the case, was I'm that actually, sorry. Was that an actually a dream? Was I woke up life? this morning being like, did I call in and like tell Dean this? And he was like, that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I was like, well, it's the truth. Wow. Um, so all in all, I mean, it's three games in, but right. I think the goaltending solid offense needs a little bit better and defense kind of a mess right now all right let's continue the theme here good bad and ugly i kind of like this let's let's we can continue this uh little thing jesse going here that Pierce, jesse man. started now yeah. there you go jess um program director unbelievable <laughs> let's start with the good and let's just let's also point out a little bit of a rubbing it in your face marco rossi he looks good he looks good through three games he looks yeah, poised he, he looks strong uh, I think eventually more offense comes. He has a goal taken away from him on Thursday, but he still gets it back later in the weekend. Um, I think Marco Rossi has looked really damn good so far. So I've liked what I saw from him. That part's been good. Um, the bad, yeah, I guess just having to play with these injuries that have piled up to a degree. Um, goaltending is obviously you could loop into being good as well. But in general, I think the bad and ugly, if I can maybe morph them together, just I haven't loved what I've seen from the top line so far. Um, especially five on five. Uh, they have been pretty abysmal, in my opinion, through just three games. The sample size is small, as Judd likes to say. The kids like to say the sample size. Um, you say that, not me. 
but the but the top line of Kirill, Zuccarello, and Hartman, I mean, they're they haven't really generated much offense. They've been scored on a ton already through three games. That's something that'll have to be fixed. Maybe you try someone else in the middle of them, but that's just something I have been saying for six months. Uh, but I would loop that in the ugly, and I would put Marco Rossi, I think, in the good category. You know, I agree with you, just to quick quickly, on Thank Rossi. You. And here's my question. And I know it's three games, so it is a small sample size. But you guys, but when do you, you know, and I know Dean went out of his way to, to be like, well, with Boldy out, we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to rotate guys at that position because we don't want to disrupt the bottom six. But if Marco continues this, and, like, he is just flat-out stronger now, I, like, there's – his success is not, like, a fluke. It's just because he's a more mature person. Um, how long before you have to move him up? Like, like he's – that's a, he he's playing with guys, in my humble opinion, and I know they're disciplined. Love to play him with disciplined guys because that's how I played the game. But to Declan's point about the first line, Jesse – like, okay, in my mind, I'm seeing these things, okay? I'm seeing a third-line center who's got the skill, more skill than your first-line guy does, and I'm seeing opportunity here for Krill to have a guy who can make plays more than 38 does. Like, at what point in time does this become a come-to-Jesus, Dean, you're going to have to give this kid a chance on the first line? It's when Kirill goes, hey, I would like Marco Rossi to play on the first line with me, right? I mean, that's got to be a part of it. No, I mean, I will say with these injuries, and I agree with you, Dex, I have been eating my words. Marco Rossi has come to be a little bit of what we want him to be, right? Again, through three games, but uh, he's seen an increase in shifts in ice time, obviously, which is going to happen with injuries. It's going to happen when you're playing literally a man short, but 16 shifts in Toronto with five shots, 17 shifts with two shots in Montreal. Uh, almost 14 minutes of ice time. So I think that's good. I think you can't wait much longer, especially as I mentioned, when you start going up against the LA's, the Edmonton's, the teams that you're going to have to perform well against that are within your conference in the West here. Um, you're going to have to make some changes, especially injury or not. It'll be interesting to see who they recall from Iowa uh, ahead of tomorrow's game when they host the Kings. But I think Marco deserves at least a look. And now while guys are out, why not? Exactly. All right. So my good. Rock Faber. Dare I say the Wild won the trade? Like, we're three uh, games in. Careful. People but dare agree. I say, and, and I know Fiala's your guy, okay? I know this. But, my God, this kid is so, I mean, and we saw it in the playoffs to a certain degree, but I guess it's just being hammered home more. When I watch this kid play with the poise, and I will give Dean credit. As good as Brodeen, as good as Brodeen and Brock were together the move last night was a thousand percent the right move because both of those guys can carry guys um jake middleton i like the size i like how he plays but when you put him with with goose it's not a good it's not a good decision (laughs) when you put him with favor it's like okay and then brodeen and so i thought that that was a good good move but brock favor to me i mean for a kid stepping out of college and doing this it is super impressive don't take this for granted the bad, the cap problems. And it's not just the wild, okay? My God, Gary, can we come up with a system where you literally don't send teams in? And it's not its not a Bill Guerin thing. It's a, the league. Like, we've seen there's been a few teams that have to play shorthanded because of your rules, which now you can circumvent after the fact a little bit coming up. But 
how stupid is this? I understand the cap is there for a reason, but you are hurting your product. Why are you doing this, Gary? Why are you doing this? Is this really, are you really that big of a miser? That big of a cheap ass? And, you know, the escrow, they got to pay the escrow. They got to do this. First of all, the pandemic's been done for a while now. Second of all, every other sport has figured out how to navigate it. And third of all, you're on a new TV contract, you idiot. Like, (laughs) seriously. Like, I don't think it's fair. And I I know Dean's like, well, we'll go with what we have. But you're (laughs) telling me that you had to go without Sammy Walker last night because of your just incredibly stupid rules. And by the way, it's your fault because your cap, the cap could go up. You've elected not to have it go up because you're a miser. So that's the bad. The ugly is, I'm I'm with Jesse here, the bottom half of the defense, like Brodeen's marvelous. Um, Faber, marvelous. Middleton, solid. I, I don't think he's great, but he's definitely solid. But when Goligoski's playing, you guys, or when, I mean, John Merrill, too, like that Toronto game, Toronto's a really good offensive team, but this is the National Hockey League. You're going to face Toronto's again. And watching what we did on Saturday night, you know, I, I did not think that Gustafson had a terrible game. I thought the people in front of him, far too many of them were terrible. It was ugly. Um, and so I think you do have to find a way to repair that a little bit. And, and Spurgeon coming back is going to help. But, I mean, Goligoski's hurt now, and he's going to come back, but that's not going to help. And it, does John Merrill have much left? It sure doesn't look like it at times. So to me, the ugly is the bottom half of the defense because it's it borders on not being serviceable, which is I think is at the minimum what, what you need to ask those guys to be serviceable. It's almost a liability at this point. Like Alex Goligoski yeah. is <clears throat> a defensive liability, which is a serious problem. Again, love the swan song for the goose. I appreciate him being home and all of that, but come on, man, especially when there is such strong defensive prospects down in Iowa that deserve that out of Carson Lambos. Like I'm salivating at the idea of like Sammy Walker coming up and helping the offense for a recall, but Carson Lambos should be right up there in that conversation too. And he can't be because you've got John Merrill and Alex Goligoski for whatever reason, eating up those spots. And it just seems kind of, kind of silly uh, all in all. And I've liked what I've seen from Kalen Addison. Again, small sample size. Um, there's been moments, too, that I think he has been able to do what he's supposed to do. And I know the coaching staff management want him to play a more defensive, responsible game. And I'm certain that will eventually, hopefully, get there. Uh, but in general, I've liked what I've seen from him. But yeah, the I guess the cinder blocks and skates, the Gooses, the Merrills, etc., um, kind of bog things down, especially when you, uh, especially when you lose Jared Spurgeon. And I thought Goose actually had a nice game in the opener on Thursday. But one, you know, Toronto has definitely more firepower. And second of all, I, I don't know that – I mean, this is going to sound silly, but I don't know how many games in a row Goose can be asked to eat, to even play at this age. Like, mm-hmm. he looked like he was gassed on Saturday. And Toronto, you know, again, they've got some really good players. But it's – so it's not like we're trying to dump on him. But, Jesse, you're right. Like, if you've got – alternatives and and we're talking about bottom pairing guys here yeah so we're not talking play a ton but you know asking Alex Goligoski to replace Jared Spurgeon I'm sort of with you I'd rather go with a young guy that can skate because this league's too fast now Mm -hmm. like that's the thing just the starting point it's too fast to take these veteran guys and be like they'll be fine they might be fine for a game but 
I don't know that they can play, you know, two or three games in a row at the level that's now necessary in this league to win. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. Give me a guy with more hair. Lambo Silver Goose. <laughs> there we go. Hey, uh, what what have you heard about Boldy? Upper body suffered in Toronto, correct, on correct. Saturday. They're saying week to week. What, what have, have you heard about his status? Uh, because obviously that's going to be an absence that they they got around it last night but eventually here i mean that's a fairly big loss if he's going to be out for a prolonged period of time yeah and to the earlier conversation about juggling some lines i mean maybe you see that mix as early as tomorrow night because if you do recall sammy walker which they can afford this time around i mean it'd be interesting to see what those lines look like they've got a day off today so i have no idea because i live my life when they have a day off and get to live their lives as well uh i did hear (laughs) i think i maybe that was part of why he told me i was stupid last night he's like why are you calling me on a day off i don't know uh i have heard jared spurgeon was on the ice with andy nets today which is promising but his week to week as you recall ends up being a three to four week timeline Mm -hmm. Dean's hard to read sometimes with those he loves just to say upper body we don't know I'll talk to John Worley and that's that Um, hopefully nothing too serious but obviously again if you're going to have injuries it's better to have it during this point in the season as you're starting to kind of maybe get things going so as long as it's not back to his shoulder which was the problem his first go around in the National Hockey League I think he'll be okay yeah, and you, you just hopefully you want to make sure that they made the right decision not to or not to LTIR these guys because what you have to miss mm-hmm. at least nine games or is it I think twenty four days on the of whatever comes first. I don't know if it's both. I don't know if they go hand in hand. I know it's it's at least nine games and something like almost a month out of play. But if Spurgeon isn't ready, well then you just wasted a bunch of cap space. And look, I'm all for the wild pulling off a miraculous win against a really bad Montreal team yesterday. But hockey is so hilarious to me how you can just not play down a you can just play down a player and just yeah win a game like imagine it's like a forfeit yeah. when you're a child right it, it, like oh we don't have enough players can you forfeit but come on i like like it's multiple if, if it was one just stupid team that that made stupid financial decisions i'd i'd be like shame on them but it's not like there's multiple teams now that can't i mean come on get around this rule and by the way it's only to to uh jesse's point dex it's only for last night's game and now they're going to free up an, enough space and if right. they ltir goose they can free up over a million bucks. But here's the, so and until I read Russo's story, I didn't realize this. If you LTIR him, you can't accrue cap space. If you guys recall in March of last year, when the wild was got Orlov and Ryan O'Reilly and shipped them out, they could do that because they, they had accrued a ton of cap space. So they were actually growing cap space by the day during the season. But if you LTIR a guy, I guess you can't do that. I mean, this is not physics. It's classic hockey. It's classic hockey getting way too complicated, and that's why also other sports fans just don't understand. Like, imagine in baseball if they just had to play with two outfielders and they still won the game. <laughs> like, imagine how insane that would be. You can't do that. It'd be nuts. Can't do that. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Okay, let's get to a let's get to a positive. Let's get to Sorry. a feel-good story that I think 
um, is going to be one of the best stories probably at the end of the season for a player. And that is watching Mark Andre Fleury last night, probably his final game in Mo- Montreal, um, where he where he's from, and I think still lives, right, Jesse? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was very good. Now, again, it's not a good team. Uh, the Canadians aren't. Win number 545. He is now uh, six wins behind Patrick Waugh, of course, the former Canadian great goaltender. Uh, six wins for second place on the all-time wins list for a goaltender. Martin Brodeur, Martin Brodeur is the first, his first. He's at 691, so nobody's catching him. But it occurred to me in watching that last night that, again, I think we should all really, and I, I know he's not at his best right now, but I think we all should really appreciate as sports fans, and especially as hockey fans, what we get here. Like, I think we're going to look back on on the Flowers' career and think it was really cool. It was really neat to have that guy um, play in our town. And watching it last night, and the other thing I found out, and this is a revelation, you guys, believe it or not, ESPN Plus is no longer blacking out the road team's games. So when I got home last night, That's I was weird. able to watch the Montreal Canadiens telecast, which, of course, was all over Flurry at the end of the game showed him doing the lap. It was absolutely fantastic. But I think that this is a great feel-good story that if this is his last year and that was his last game there, um, I feel like hockey provides a real special what, – what's the word I'm trying to find here? A real special feeling for a situation like that. An appreciation it is. Yeah. Like, right, you look at <clears throat> Montreal yes. who just got defeated, whose team is – horrible like my gosh they are so so bad and undisciplined and i just a mess but they still honored one of their own and right and recognize that moment so i think hockey's so good at appreciating those things and as a reminder to fans this isn't just any milestone these are historic milestones that have been in place forever patrick wall has not played hockey in a very very long time and has not been able to get past that record so mark andre Fleury to be in this discussion to be in this conversation i mean i had chills just the other day recognizing like this is so cool i get to cover him and i get to get to know him because he is truly as good of a human being as anyone could be as well so i mean it's just kind of that appreciation and, and that gratitude. He chose to be here, Minnesota fans. We love to talk about that. The players that want to yeah. be here, he chose to be here. So it is. It's it's very cool. Uh, excited to see him continue to scratch these off. Should this be his last year, which it does give you every feeling that it probably will be. Um, and yeah, I love to see it. Nothing best, nothing but the best for Mark Andre Fleury. I almost called him literally Mark Andre Flower, but yeah, oh, still works. Still works. Um, he is a flower. Yeah, I tweeted out last night that Wild fans are are pretty lucky, and yeah, just Minnesota sports fans in general. It, it's probably I didn't I just realized this. It's probably as close to like a Jim Tomey situation when the Twins brought in Tomey in 2010. Now Tomey actually ended up having a really good year with them, and Flower you can you can tell he's a little bit past the hill, past his peak, but it's still awesome to see him when he you know stacks the pads and makes an absurd save last night, and you can just kind of feel those emotions when, you know, he's doing that circle, knowing that it's probably the last time he'll be playing in Montreal. And yeah, I, I think wild fans, Minnesota sports fans, honestly, in general should be kind of in awe and watching legitimately one of the best players of all time at his position get to do this. Um, I know flurry kind of shook off a lot of different criticisms in the beginning part of his career, got off to a rocky start, but dudes won a lot of cups. Dude's gone to different teams and has helped them get to Stanley cups 
it's uh, it's pretty cool to see. Special teams. So uh, uh, again, as Jess said, really good last night. What three for uh, three for eight on th- the power play because the Canadians kept taking stupid penalties. Two shorties on the same PK, which is incredible. Um, did the Wild find something? And this would be the only small upside to Boldy being out with him out. Um, Jojo Johansson was put on the first power play, and they talked extensively about this post game. But his his entries into the zone are so good, so smooth that it, act, it actually that's a huge part, right? It sets you up. Well, like we probably take it for granted, but we've seen guys that can't consistently get into the zone, and then you can't establish puck possession, and then things fall apart quickly. Um, how much are you willing to give this a look to see if it should be permanent, Jess, with Johansson replacing probably Boldy and uh, and leaving him on the first power play unit? Yeah, I mean, I think Dean Evson has to give that a good hard consideration. Matt Boldy has the same kind of entry, right? We all love the way that he brings the puck into play. And I, I mean, Johansson similar. That's probably why they have the chemistry that they do on that line. Uh, but Dean is a got to be aware of the criticisms that surrounded the power play. Now they made a step in changing that by putting Brett McLean down in Iowa, which he was very much in charge of the PP unit um, <clears throat> as coaching. So I think that is also a big difference. But the other thing I love in, on special teams, I'm a big PK fan. I love Brock Faber on the penalty kill. We already talked about what an amazing player he is, but the fact that he can do what he does on the PK as well is just so much fun to watch. And that PK unit is probably even better than that power play, uh, top power play unit for me. But yes, to answer your question, Judd, keep JoJo there. Why not? What it's 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 working. Keep whatever works the same. It's the same to the way he likes his lines. Is Brock? Hey, is Brock as smooth as Brodeen right now? Like, like, where would you, and I mean, Brodine is one of the, the smoothest defensemen in the entire league. Um, but when I watch them, like, I can't tell you how impressed I am by what a kid, again, out of college has done. I mean, Faber to me, Dex, do you, how, how close do you think Faber is to being basically almost as smooth, what, like l- less than 10 games in mm-hmm. as Brodine is on defense? Well, I think the thing that's like really intriguing, and I, I we saw this from Brodine when he debuted too, like ten years ago already. Um, I think there's an absurd amount of offensive upside to Faber's game that we're probably not giving him enough credit for, and and Brodine teased Wild fans a little bit like that too, just because he was so strong defensively that you just kind of thought and assumed that he'll he'll his offensive will also come. But I mean, it's similar paths like. Brodine only played nine games in the AHL. That was it. And came right over from, I believe, was the Swedish League, because he's from Sweden, um, and jumped right in and played a ton of games for the Wild basically right away and and never looked back and never got demoted because he was so damn good they couldn't keep him out of the lineup. I think what's intriguing about Faber is there's probably an offensive layer to this game that we just we haven't seen yet. And yes, there's parallels to Brodine, but I think we realized after like the first three or four years of Brodine, like, no, the offense... It might, he might not get a lot of points, but he can obviously drive possession. He's he's not a liability offensively, certainly. But I think with Faber, there's a layer to his offensive game that is so intriguing, and that's what I'm curious about. Because if that offensive game comes, you're you're talking about potentially one of the best defensemen in the NHL. 
I mean, for me, you have to wonder if Brock Faber almost thinks of it as a respect thing. Like, okay, well, I'll, I'll stay back. I'll be the guy that stays back. They get to go be in the play. They get to go do that. So I almost think he just needs to get that confidence. And I know Dean Ebsen has told him that. He wants both him and Brodine. And now that they're separated, it's obviously a different situation. But because he trusts Brock's ability to get back and play defense and, and do that, I mean, he can. He does it both, and he does it so seamlessly. I mean, I mentioned it before, he is going to have such a long, good career in the NHL. Hopefully that's a long time with the Minnesota Wild, but wherever it is, he's just that good, that intelligent of a hockey player mixed with the skills and the skating ability that he has. It's just, it's fantastic to see. So with Spurgeon out, I think it's smart to uh, to put um, those two with different partners. But when Spurgeon comes back, I do want to see them back together because you could sort of see it coming when they – so, so I think Brodeen, Dex, I think that you're right. He's not the offensive player that I think we suspected he might be when he got here. But I think part of that is because he was paired with Dumba for so long. And if you guys recall, and there was a time where, you know, Matthew Dumba's defense resulted in offense. Like before he got in the fight with Kachuk, the slap shot was a howitzer. He would make plays. And I always felt like the wild was – and. Brodeen, who who I think was basically right best friends with Dumba. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. I always felt like he was waiting for that Dumba to come back. And he was covering for him and, you know, allowing or hoping that Dumba could generate offense. Well, obviously it didn't take place. So if they're put back together, what I'm curious about is the amount of switching that they were doing. Like you could see them start to catch on to what the, because one of them has to stay back. We know that. Both of them don't. But they're such good skaters, you don't have to define you don't have to define a role. Like I felt with Dumba and Brodeen, it was defined. Brodeen's gonna clean up for Dumba's mistakes, but Dumba's mistakes might turn it into offense. If you watch like Faber would pinch in down low and then Brodeen would as well, and then Brock would go back. So I guess what I am what I'd like to see here is is this going to help both of them unleash more offense because the more they play together and familiarity they get with each other. I think we could see a level of Brodeen's game as well, where he's comfortable doing things that there is no doubt by the last two years, he was not doing like he would pinch in, but he was not switching a ton. There was a difference. So I, I just think that that defensive pairing provides the potential to be so damn good. And dare I say, I don't think we necessarily have seen one like that. Even with Spurgeon at his best, I don't think that we've seen the potential that Brodeen and Faber could bring if this tracks like it looked like it was when they were playing together. It's like a game of Pong. They can just kind of go yeah. boom, 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 right? You know that and, game, Joe. And they can get back. That's the incredible yeah. thing, No, it's, it's an awesome pair. I mean, I think you had high hopes for it going in because everyone loves Brock Faber. Everyone loves Jonas Brodeen. It makes sense. But yeah, I mean, remember there was one spot of time they wanted Alex Goligoski and Brock Faber to play together. And I think oh. they did that for what? a little. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What, mm. what, what's that all about? Like, why are they <laughs> like, like God bless them. And I mean, I saw goose play when goose was good. So, I mean, he it's not like he, ha- he has not had a bad career, but I don't understand this, like forcing it. Like it's a very weird and and I don't know if it's because he because Alex and Billy Garen are buddies or what, but it just feels like and and I'm not I don't think that Goose is anything like suits, like I don't think that he's a like, tries to be a 
locker room lawyer or tries to say I should play more. Seriously, I saw Suits last night again. I was watching three games at, at once, and there's Suits trying to freelance. It's like just go, just go away, buddy. Honestly, but, if, if uh, and if I was Goose, I would just probably go to Summit Orthopedics at this point, right? Twenty five locations in the Twin Cities he, in he Greater might Minnesota. Be there right now? He could be there. One hundred and fifty expert physicians and physical therapists, specially trained in their fields. Whether it's back, neck, spine, elbows, hands, wrists, knees, shoulders, hips, upper body, lower body, doesn't matter. Learn more at summitortho.com. Go check out Summit Orthopedics. Last thing, boys and girls, do we like the fact that uh, three games in, basically two games in, Kirill Kaprizov was beating himself up before he had a goal and two assists, that he was breaking down film of the first two games and was very ticked off that he, in his mind, was off to a slow start which, by the way, again, was six periods of hockey. Yeah, that's what he does. That's why we love him, though, right? Like, he is just this unique superstar that just wants to work his butt off. Uh, you know, he wanted the A, went and told Billy that, which I love to hear, too. Like, he he loves holding himself accountable, and I appreciate a superstar like that. I know, Judd, you and I were talking about that a little bit in the press box. He's like that blue-collar superstar. I am yep. all for a player that wants to work hard, even with the skill. I mean, again, that's the way he'll be able to lead this team to is simply by example. Like, you know what? This isn't good enough. I expect more of myself. It's not pressure. It's expectations. And Kirill, God bless you. I love it. It seems like just the right mentality for that little Russian superstar. Yeah. Like and if, uh, if I'm Kirill, I, I don't just uh, look at the film. I go to Dean and say, Hey, how do we, uh, how do we get a bump up another center here? How do we, how do we go about that? Huh? <laughs> what do we got to do? My English is a lot I, better I, now. I can, I, I can tell you right now. Loyal. I fear he's too loyal. I fear he won't do that. Like he should, but I fear he won't. Mm. You know who else I think probably runs that line? Zuki. And he'll tell Kirill, oh, no, no, we like it this way. We like this. We can kind of, I don't know. And and Zuki, who I know had, what, three assists last night? Mm -hmm. Um, Those first two games, he was overpassing again. And they both do. That's my, my, one of my biggest gripes about that line is when Kirill and Zuki get in their, you know, schoolboy mentality of let's play catch with the puck. Mm -hmm. And it's like, first of all, 97 shoot. Second of all, 36, when you have a shot, take the damn take shot. Take the shot. Take the shot. Like, this is why I would I would occasionally break them up just as a, okay, if you guys are going to do this, you, you aren't going to get to sit at the same table for lunch. <laughs> okay? It's very high school-like. If you're going like to do it. this, I'm going to separate you two. Now, you can go back once you've proven to be good good boys, but not now. So. <laughs> All right, great stuff, Dex. Um, Jesse, thank you. Dex, tell the people what they need to know. Hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. This is Judd's Hockey Show. Uh, we'll be in a suite. We'll be together on Thursday for a little bit, at least at least a portion of it. Should be Jesse, a good time. Join us. Going to mm-hmm. have some Judd's Hockey Show listeners. Uh, we're really excited to hang out with you guys, too. So hit the subscribe button. We'll see you on Thursday.